Welcome to the Faith to You podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb and I'm here with Brad Norman. Um, and today we're continuing our series where we're talking about growth in godliness. And I want to talk today a little bit about what it means to um, grow into your salvation. So we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2. Before we go there though, um, you know, Brad and I have a little bit of experience with our kids growing into things. Um, Brad has seven kids, I have six kids. And uh, we, we don't really get concerned if our clothes are a little bit too big for our kids. Um, as a matter of fact, oftentimes we want to get clothes that are too big for them, shoes that are too big for them, because we know they're going to grow into it. Yep. Well, in the Bible, it says that we grow into our salvation. That, that's sort of surprising. You know, sometimes people think of salvation as something, you know, that's maybe one size fits all or stays the same. But it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we grow into it. So let me read this. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, Like newborn infants, desire the pure milk of the word, so that you may grow into your salvation if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So Brad, I want to ask you a couple of questions about this passage. The first one is, how do we grow into our salvation? Well, the text there is pretty clear, isn't it? It says, desire the pure milk of the word. And obviously, it's not enough just to desire milk. If a baby wants milk and is crying for milk, that's the right starting point, but the baby actually needs milk. So the desire will mm -hmm. then lead to actually getting that milk. And the milk there is called the milk of the word. So milk is a reference to scripture. We need to be reading scripture and living that out. I mm -hmm. think that's, that's how we grow into our salvation. It all starts with God's word. Yeah, it's a, it's a major problem if a baby is born and it has no desire to eat. There's something majorly wrong with that child. Um, almost every single baby, they come out and they're crying. And whenever they get hungry, their response is crying out. They just yep. desire that. That's natural. And, and for the new creation, that's natural. But there's times sometimes where, you know, I, I get the Bible out and, I, and I'm tired and I'm weary. And I can believe sometimes that I don't actually want to read it. So what do you say to people when they come to you and they say, you know, I'm struggling with a desire to read the word and I'm supposed to desire it but what what do I do when I'm struggling to desire it yeah I think it's natural for us all from time to time to struggle with the desire to read there's just various things that come into our lives but if there is a consistent lack of desire to read God's word that just day after day after day you don't want to read God's word then you really need to ask yourselves why that is mm. and I think the answer to that question uh, will probably reveal a lack of understanding of really the nature of Scripture. Scripture is God's words mm. revealed to us. God has told us about who He is and how He wants to live in His Word. So as Christians, that should be a very high priority in our lives, probably the highest priority. We should know what God is saying to us in His Word. That is going to have such a strong impact on our lives, and what, how we think, what we believe, and then how we live for God's glory. Uh, so ask yourself this question. You know, why don't I want to be in God's word? And if you don't understand the nature of scripture, what it really is, then you need to understand what it is, that it is God's word and that it's a high priority to get in there. Now, if you do understand scripture is God's word and that this is what we need uh, in our spiritual lives, but you still don't desire to be in God's word, then I want to ask you to examine yourself to see in your, if, if you're really part of the Christian mm -hmm. faith. Are you really a genuine believer? Because scripture teaches that anyone is in, who's in Christ is a new creation. Uh, there is going to be a change in your life where you now desire the things of the Lord and you want to be in God's word. And so we're just going to take you back to the gospel at that point mm -hmm. to see if you really are saved. Do you understand that you have sinned against a holy God 
and that you under God's divine judgment. That judgment is coming one day, and if you don't repent from your sins and put your faith in Jesus alone to save you, then you're going to be punished for all eternity, separated from God. And so really, you just need to go back to those basics, to the gospel. Make sure that you understand the gospel, your need for a Savior, that you turn from your sin, you confess it to the Lord, and you place your faith in Jesus alone to save you. And it could be that maybe you've never truly, genuinely done that, that maybe you thought you did that, but you haven't done it. And so you need to do that. You need to call out to God for forgiveness and cry out for mercy. And when you do that and you just put your full dependence on Jesus for salvation, I think you'll find that you now do desire to get into God's word. Yeah, it has everything to do with relationship. Because he says if you've tasted that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. So, so once you come to the Lord and you realize he loves me, he sent his son to die for me, and you enter into that relationship with him, you have that desire. So oftentimes it's, it's just a lie that we're believing. Yeah. Uh, it's like when I wake up in the morning and I feel like, I don't want to get up, but I'll be miserable if I just lay in bed all day. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to. And sometimes you have to discipline yourself to push through to that true desire. This is what you desire. If you've tasted mm-hmm. that the Lord is good, and every believer has tasted um, that the Lord is good. So something else I want to ask you is, what are some practices um, that you believe can help people grow in their desire for the Word? So that desire increases. Yeah. I think the best way to increase your desire for God's Word is to get into God's Word. Mm. Even when you don't feel like it, just get into God's Word. Even just read a little bit. Read a couple of verses. Read one chapter in Scripture. And just discipline yourself to do that, even when you don't feel like Mm. it. And I think as you get into God's Word and you just start seeing the rich truths that are there for your life, that your desire for God's Word will grow. It's just like any sort of relationship. Uh, If you want to grow in your uh, desire for a friendship, If you want to become stronger friends with somebody, you just spend time with Mm -hmm. them. You get to know them better. And as you do that, your desire to know that person will increase. And it's the same thing with our relationship with the Lord as well. I think that really is the heart of of getting our desire to increase. It's just disciplining yourselves to get into Scripture. Yeah. You know, something I found in in my just own Christian diet and eating God's Word is that when I was younger and I would read it, I would get overwhelmed. There's so many names. There's so many places. Um, there's so many stories. There's so much history. There's so many things happening. And, and it's not just written, you know, from um, beginning to the end. I mean, we have Genesis in the beginning. We have Revelation then. But even in the middle, it's all mixed up. You know, mm-hmm. the minor prophets tie into different points in the history. We have the major prophets tying tie in different points. And understanding how it's all put together and understanding who all the people are. Once I started getting that, once I started like pursuing biblical studies and really understanding how it all goes together, it's like the Word of God opened up for me. And it became a much more enjoyable experience to read it. It's one of the reasons yeah. that we, we offer Bible study classes here. We offer Sunday school classes. So what are some of the classes that we have here that could particularly help people who are really struggling with their Bible reading, struggling with understanding what is this talking about? I want to I want to desire the pure milk of the Word, but I'm overwhelmed with the Word. What are some of the yeah. things we offer here that could help them with that? Yeah, it really is uh, not enough just to read Scripture. You can read it, but then you just forget what mm-hmm. you read, right? So you have to go beyond just reading to understanding. And certainly God helps us to understand His Word as we read, but God also uses other means for that as well, and it it comes down to the church. Uh, We're not to live our lives in isolation as Christians, but we're to be part of a church, and people in that church, God's gifted them with the spiritual gift of teaching, and so we should be putting ourselves 
under those teachers and mm -hmm. learning from those teachers. They're going to help us to understand scripture and learn how to apply it to our lives. And so we, of course, do that in our worship services here. We have the regular preaching of God's word, but we also have smaller groups and more interactive settings where people can really dig more deeply into scripture. So one of the classes that we offer here is called the Fundamentals of the Faith class. We offer that uh, once a year. It's about a 15 to 20 week class or so. And we're looking to get it started here in October. It's gonna be led by one of our elders, uh, Steve Smith. And so if, especially if you just don't understand much about scripture, about the books of the Bible, and about just the basic doctrines of the Christian faith, this would be a terrific class to be part of. Uh, it's usually just like five to 10 people. So a nice small group, and you get just really hands-on mentoring and instruction there uh, from Steve and his wife, Jan, in that class. So I encourage you to consider joining that class. Uh, something else that we offer here at the church is called Faith Bible Institute. And this is a brand new program uh, that we're starting here in the next couple of weeks in mid-September. And we offer three types of classes in the Institute. We have Bible survey classes. So over the course of the next three years, we're gonna read all the way through scripture, Old and New Testaments, so you can get the big picture of scripture and you will be assigned to read through the entire Bible. A lot of people, they start, but they struggle to finish. And so these classes will provide that accountability to force you to persevere and get you all the way through scripture and help you to understand as you go along, the background details and that sort of thing. We're also going to be offering systematic theology classes as part of the Bible Institute, where we're going to read through a systematic theology book and learn about all the different topics covered in Scripture, the doctrine of Scripture, the doctrine of God, the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and salvation, the church and the future. There's so many different areas of doctrine, and there are subgroups uh, there as well underneath those major areas. So over the course of the next couple of years, we're going to be studying all of these different doctrines. We're going to be kind of taking the, the basic uh, doctrines of the fundamentals of the faith class and going deeper and taking a more careful look at some of these doctrines, exploring them in more detail from a variety of different scripture passages. Uh, one other thing we're also offering as part of the Institute is New Testament Greek. Uh, some people in our church, especially those who like to teach, uh, they really want to be able to dig more deeply into God's Word, get back to the original text of the New Testament. It was originally written in Greek, and we have all these wonderful translations today, but we can get some extra nuances when we go back into the original Greek. And so over the next couple of years, we're going to be taking some students through uh, courses in New Testament Greek, learning the alphabet and learning just the basic grammatical structures and learning basic vocabulary, the basic words used in the New Testament. So those classes won't be for everybody, but every time I've taught Greek in the past, there's been people who, a variety of people who've wanted to take that and have really been excited to take those. Mm. So it, it, I really encourage you, if you have, if you're struggling to understand how the Bible is put together, especially the continuity between Old and New Testaments, you know, a real common fallacy among believers is that there's a difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. It's the yeah. same God. And when you really read straight through it, and that's what we want to challenge you to do, read straight through it, and then stop and think about, and maybe talk with other people about how it all goes together, it really helps you to start to see the big picture, that God has the same plan from the very beginning. It's not plan B. There's no plan B with God. There's only plan A. And you can see it all throughout. Um, so one of, one of the problems I think that um, happens in Christendom is that believers they sort of get stuck in a rut 
they can sort of stay in the same place, doing the same thing, struggling with the same sins, not going on to maturity. And part of that is because they're not growing in their comprehension of the word. So, so you need to desire the word, but the reason you desire the word is so you can grow up into your salvation. In Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews talks about the problem that the church had of not growing up. And what's interesting is, is they're, they're still like talking about the word. They're still considering the word. But he talks about milk a little differently. So I might read the passage to you. It says Hebrews, in Hebrews 5, 12 through 13, all this, this, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation. Again, you need milk, not solid food. And everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. You know, the writer of Hebrews, he doesn't talk about milk in a positive way. And so my question is, is Peter using milk in his epistle the same way the writer of Hebrews uses milk here in Hebrews 5, 12 through 13? Yeah, it seems like it's a little different here, right? That the illustration is a little more complex here. Mm -hmm. Before, we were just seeing milk as pointing to scripture in general. But here, it seems like milk is just a reference to the very basic truths. Mm -hmm. So those are certainly things that we need, just like we need milk when we're babies. Uh, and, but, of course, as we grow older, then we need to eat other foods as well if we really want to grow and be strong physically. And it's the same thing in the Christian life, too. The basics, that's the right place to start. And we need to constantly remind ourselves of those basics. Mm. But we need to keep going as well and get into the deeper truths of Scripture. He goes on in Hebrews 5, verse 14. Right after saying that, he says, But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. So in First Peter, he says that we need to grow up into our salvation. Right here, he's talking about having our senses exercised. Um, so how, how is it that he's measuring growth? It seems like it's a little bit different here in Hebrews 5. How's he measuring growth? Yeah, it's not just about head knowledge, right? It's about being able to take that knowledge and distinguish mm. between what's good and what's evil. So it's, it's one thing to know what's good and evil, but then when you see it, around you and of course our world is filled with wickedness mm. you need to be able to recognize that and reject it mm. and, and avoid being swept up into worldliness that seems to be the, the point of that statement there yeah we, we call this a christian worldview mm. so the ability to look at the world around you through the lens of god's word inspired by the holy spirit and instructed by the holy spirit so as you're confronting different wisdom issues in your life and you're trying to figure out what am i supposed to do here God's word is what shines a light on your path. So you know what to do, but then you do it. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things he's talking about when he says you're exercising your senses. Mm -hmm. And so we don't just learn about God in a sterile classroom environment. We're actually putting that into practice. So one of the problems is that sometimes people gain that understanding, but they're not growing in wisdom. It's not affecting how they live their life. So sometimes people gain biblical knowledge without putting it into practice. How can we as individuals avoid growing in knowledge without growing in godliness. I think it's easy for us to stop the Bible study process too early. Mm. You know, we observe scripture, we try to interpret scripture, and then we just jump ship at that point and we stop the Bible study process. But there is one more step and it's the step of application. We need to constantly remind ourselves that we're not just reading scripture so we can understand it, but so we can ultimately mm. apply it to our lives. Otherwise, it's pointless. It's, it's not having any effect on us. So we have to constantly remind ourselves how, and ask ourselves, what does this mean for my life? How mm. does this impact the way that I live? It's not just enough to know it, but we need to live it out as well. And I, and I think the best way to do that, to make sure that we're constantly doing that, 
is just being part of church, being mm. involved in church, because that is how, that, that's really what the starting point of living out scripture is being able to uh, use your spiritual gifts to serve others mm-hmm. and interact with others and minister to others and help others. And then from there, then that we just take it to the world. Yeah. We do something similar with the world when we're interacting with other people out in the world, then we're reaching out to them as well and living out uh, scripture. If we just isolate ourselves, uh, you know, go to a monastery and, and just, uh, you know, isolate ourselves, then we're not really putting in ourselves in a position mm-hmm. where we can obey scripture. We're preventing ourselves really from obeying scripture in so many areas. Yeah, I, I think of it in terms of um, calories in and calories out, right? Mm-hmm. As a, we understand the principle that if you're just taking calories in and you're not actually burning those, that's a problem. That's mm-hmm. not healthy. If you're constantly taking in the word and you're trying to study it and understand it, but you're never putting it into practice, that's useless. That's pointless. You're a stagnant pond. And we're not described as stagnant ponds. We're described as flowing fountains. And you flow onto the people who surround you. That's what we do in the church. That's what we do in the world. So I hope that you're challenged to grow up into your salvation. Read God's word, study God's word, but then put it into practice. Thank you so much for listening to us today.